Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. What if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski. Welcome in to the Inside Carolina podcast, The Day After. We're sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt, Hills Win. With The Day After comes the band, Buck Sanders, Jason Staples, Carolina beats Florida A&M 56-24 in Keenan Stadium on a rainy Saturday night. A little bit rainy Saturday night. Monsoon tailgate. Buck, I'm going to come to you first since this is the first one of the year. What a great day. What a great show we had in the Bulls lot. The football game, plenty of good. Some things that you sleep well after seeing. Some things you don't sleep well after seeing. But your overall take on the on the lead up. The, the Inside Carolina Live show, appreciate you joining in, and then what you saw in Keenan. Yeah, well, first of all, it was great to be back in, uh, in the bowl slot. Um, good atmosphere, good crowd, a lot of energy in the bowl slot before the game. That was just fun to be around. The As for the game itself, um, you know, I, I have three major takeaways and maybe a few others that are, um, take a undercard, uh, perspective, but overall, the only thing I walk away from this game, not feeling as well about as I hope to have felt is the defense and mainly in pass coverage. If, if you look at the running side, of the ball, they only gave up 56 yards, 2.1 per carry. Um, you know, I, I think it was hard to focus on how well they were doing there because they were getting torched on the back end. Um, so I, I walk away from that feeling like what's it going to take to get this defense off the snide and start just playing hard nosed rock em sock on defense. And I, we didn't see it last night and we wonder when we are going to see it. So, uh, but other than that, there's a lot of great takeaways. Jason, looking at the defense, and like I said, a lot of people have gotten where they use the good, the bad, the ugly format. I mean, we didn't steal it from anybody, um, but we did it like fifth. Except for maybe Sergio Leone, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I, I'm going to couch it as – you got uh, me hungry for spaghetti, but <laughs> – At 8 o'clock in the morning, which, by the way, we're recording this certainly early Sunday morning. Uh, you mentioned something, and when we were on the Over Under podcast, Jason, when we were talking about sacks that the team could get, 
and you took the over the under, if my memory serves. And and one of the reasons was the quick game that offenses use. Florida A&M walked in and did it, uh, and pretty much neutralized Carolina's defensive line in the passing game. I think that's what we'll see all year. So I, I miss that over under, I believe. But your take on what you saw from the front guys, because if the front guys are not getting pressure in the quick game, then the back seven, especially the back four or five, better be good. And Carolina struggled last night. Yeah, I thought it was a a mix. I mean, it, uh, I I don't think I don't think we should take too much one way or the other from what we saw last night. I mean, it is the first game of the season in a in a new you know under a new uh, regime on that side of the ball, and and so you're you're going to expect to have the most to clean up between game one and game two, and this is where having a week zero game before you go up the mountain is a is a good thing. I mean, I, I think. Uh, next week is going to tell us a lot more about what we can expect from this team on that side of the ball. Uh, I, I did think that it wasn't just about the sacks. I mean, I do think that the, the probably the most disappointing thing about this particular game was uh, was the overall – I wouldn't say lack of pressure, but not enough pressure. It's not a matter of 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 sacks. I want to see the quarterback actually being hurried and bothered. And I felt like Musa at different points was just not he, he was too comfortable back there uh at times. And and that's something that you don't want to see. Now, there are other there are other factors in play other than just, well, the defensive line needs to get after him more and needs to get the sure, that's true. And I would have liked to have seen Des Evans, for example, be more disruptive overall than he was. Um, I thought Rocker, by the way, looked very good as a pass rusher yet again. I mean, the dude is just a football player. Uh, he should but, get more snaps, right? And, I mean, he yeah, should just and, get more snaps. And I think I think as the year goes by, if what we saw last night is 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 the case all year, you're going to see Rucker get more snaps and and more uh, in 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 situations that matter more. I mean, that's just the way it works, but you're still going to give, especially game one, you're going to give more guys reps. Uh, I mean, you think about this, this game, I'm looking at the, at the uh, win probability chart, the lowest win probability of the game, which has to be a glitch in the chart is 92.6% uh, at play number 166. And I think that's just because there was a, uh, uh, some sort of weird thing that happened. That's a glitch. Other than that, the the lowest win probability of the game was 94%, 94.8%. So this game was never in doubt. What that means, and this is the other side to this, is they didn't feel like they had to bring out the kitchen sink in this game defensively. They they knew they were going to win this game. I mean, from from early in the game on, there was no sense with the way that, and we'll talk about this later, I'm sure, with the way that Drake looked and, and the offense was able to move the ball pretty much at will, 598 yards, uh, they, they, they knew they were going to win this game. So defensively, they were really vanilla. They did very little in terms of trying to bring pressure. It was, we're just going to let the four get off the ball straight up field, and that's that. Well, you know, you're going to have to probably do more than that at different points in the year to get pressure when you want to. And they did get a sack at one point. It actually wasn't a sack. It was a, a tackle for loss from uh, from Boykins when they did bring some pressure off the edge from the Knicks. Well, also, Power Eccles got a sack. 
Yeah, and uh, Power Eccles got a sack when they brought him at yeah. one point. They decided at one point you could see, like, okay, fine, we'll go ahead and bring a little pressure, and they got some. So I th think that's where you have to be careful not to take too much from this. I do think it was a, a little – I'd like to see more disruptiveness from the defensive line. You've recruited so well at that spot, and you've got so many guys that need to be disruptive that I'd like to see more. But I'm also – wait and see because of the way that this was a first game against an outmanned opponent that you knew you were going to beat. And you're not exactly doing everything you, you think you're going to, even in terms of twists and stunts to get pressure in game one, you're going to, you're going to try to pull that stuff out against that. Yeah. I mean, they played a ton of guys, power echoes, Buck, like you mentioned, uh, the, the, the kid, the young man can play 10 tackles, nine of them solo, a couple for loss, one sack, um, where he sort of just weaved his way or squeezed his way through the traffic in the middle of the field and got that play. I mean, he he's definitely a bright spot. Cayman Rucker, like we've mentioned, is a bright spot. It'll be interesting to see how um, it changes from week one to week, week zero to week one, I guess. Um, but, but watching the secondary, um, and of course, Tony Grimes went out early, looked like he got his bell rung from where I was sitting, and, oh, yeah. and it, it's been – I thought that should have been a target in play, to be honest. You know, uh, hit him right in the in the helmet. Yeah, they don't call it on offense anymore yeah. or ever. Yeah, but Grimes but also went low and, and didn't ducked. see what he was hitting. So, I mean, the, the question is, you could you, you could have called targeting on both players there because both of them lowered their heads. and It, it and looked like led. Grimes was the uh, nail instead of the hammer on that play, though. Oh, yeah, yeah he was. Well, so so what are what are the bright spots besides Rucker and Eccles on this defense? Uh, I thought Boykins, Boykins, I think Boykins you could mention him. What'd you see? I thought Balfour and uh, Marcus Allen got, you know, they got an introduction. Storm had a had an interception. It was good to see him out there for the full game or for most of the game. What else did you see from the defense, Buck? That maybe you sleep easy about? Well, I mean. Uh, to be honest about it, uh, and, and we've already mentioned this so far, is that A&M got zero on the ground, basically. Uh, they got one play of like 20 yards, but everybody else just got stoned. Every other play gets uh, – the defensive line just stoned those guys. They weren't giving them up anything on the run, which we could talk about this in terms of Gene Chizik's strategy over – overall because the last time we saw gene chiswick as a defensive coordinator baylor's uh running backs and quarterbacks were running for like eight jillion yards <laughs> um while they weren't giving up much in the passing game that was his mo last time um in chapel hill they didn't give up a lot uh, as far as people throwing the ball but they gave up a ton on the ground this Initial outing by Chiswick, exact opposite. So who knows what we're going to see the rest of the year. But the bright spot is the run defense. And I think um, when they used uh, Power Eccles as a rusher. Um, Good. You know, he got the sack, but, it, you know, there are times you could get pressure. Uh, Jason was talking about pressuring people. And if, if you recall back when Mac Brown first took over, the, the go-to defensive play for uh, being disruptive was Chas Rat on a delayed blitz up the middle. And 
Power Eccles can certainly do that. He's got the speed that uh, he can get quickly to the quarterback once he sees an alley. And so maybe we'll see more of that as, as the year goes along. But, and again, I think Jason is right. Uh, we saw the quick game from Florida A&M. They were going short quickly, getting the ball out fast. Uh, and so the defensive line couldn't really be as disruptive as we would have hoped to have seen. Yeah, looking at Florida A&M big plays, had eight big passing plays. Of course, that's 15 yards or more. Um, a couple of those were touchdowns. Got to give credit to Jeremy Musa too. He looked good, and he didn't miss too many throws. And uh, he's a guy that came over from Vanderbilt, didn't play much. They had one rush of 21 yards, um, but otherwise not much on the ground. Jason, just looking ahead, um, when you speak, and, and this is for our, our listeners, um, when you speak to vanilla on defense, a lot of the hardcore football folks know what you mean. But for the folks that don't follow it and see – the stats, see Florida A&M having some success, Carolina not doing anything, you know, exotic or anything. Explain what you mean about vanilla, not only on the front end, but on the back end and at the linebacker position, other than not doing a lot of blitzes. Yeah, the I, I, main thing I'm talking about has to do with just running absolute base stuff. So you've got certain base defenses that are – the the foundation the building blocks to everything else you call and that that if you just run that stuff and nothing else then that's that's vanilla so you know they ran some you know standard cover four and it's just standard cover four with no no adjustments in there you know you're not running ha uh, half coverage on one side, quarters coverage on the other side. There's no mixture on that. You're just running, you know, cover three with guys bailing out at the snap and, you know, just standard invert safety. I mean, they're just the very basic type stuff that you run as a, as a defense. And, you know, at that point, that's that's the stuff that, that offenses, you know exactly what you're seeing pre-snap. And they do exactly what you see and you know where you're going. There's no confusion in this. Now, as a general rule, defense, modern defensive football, a lot of modern defensive football is about showing one thing at the snap and then rotating out of it into something else after the snap. That's, that's one thing that a lot of teams do. That means that you're not quite as vanilla. So you get guys that, it looks like it's going to be, say, press man at the snap, and all of a sudden it rotates to, uh, you know, standard cover two, you know, these sorts of things. Or you look like you're cover two at the snap, and all of a sudden you rotate and a safety drops down and you're and you're running some sort of match cover three, you know, whether that's uh, Rip Liz or something like that. And then, and then in other cases, you look like it's cover four and all of a sudden you're bringing a guy off the edge and you're in a, in a, in a uh, man free situation. There's just different things that you do to make it so that quarterbacks are not just what you see is what you get pre-snap and they're just dropping into standard zones. And here's, you know, here, here's, here's what we're running and we're going to run it this way. <laughs> and then you just do it. So, uh, and then also no twists, no real stunts up front, just, you know, get upfield and in your lane, 
that's vanilla football. And if you can beat teams with vanilla, that, that's usually good. I mean, ideally, the, the beauty of vanilla is that if you if you are just running one thing and there's no disguise and a guy has one assignment and it's the basic thing that you work on every day as the foundation, well, it's really hard to screw up your assignment, right? I mean, if you screw up your assignments at that point, then you shouldn't be on the field. But on the flip side, they it's it's like in basketball, you come down the floor and you say, okay, so I'm going to take the ball and I'm going to start in my, my right hand. I'm going to go through my legs to my left hand. I'm going to cross over to my right. I'm going to come to that spot. I'm going to pull up and I'm going to hit my jumper. And you tell that to the defender before you do it. Now, if you're good enough to do that, well, I mean, Larry Bird, Michael Jordan, some of those guys, they did that stuff. I mean, here's what I'm going to do. And then they do it to you. And then you're like, man, I still can't stop them. That's when, when you're beating teams with the absolute vanilla and nothing else, that's what you're doing. But you better be better than the other team. Otherwise, you know, it's good to come down and, you know, maybe they expect the crossover and this time you just go straight. You know, maybe they expect you to pull up at that spot and this time you kind of give them a little head fake and 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 move to another spot. That's how this works on defense. And, you know, they they were very vanilla last night. They 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 didn't do a whole lot to give to give uh Musa any different kinds of looks than what he would have expected pre-snap. Yep. And he was on 28, 38, 279. Uh, 147 rating, 147 and a half rating. I, I thought he looked real good. I thought Florida A&M had some players, didn't have enough of them, obviously, as they sort of wilted down the down the stretch. But uh, I'm going to take a short second, talk about Johnny T-shirt, and then we're mm. going to get into the really Woo. good, the the stuff that makes you sleep like a baby if you're a Carolina fan after the break. But Johnny T-shirt, johnnytshirt.com, friends of this podcast, friends of all the Inside Carolina family of podcasts, and certainly – friends of the inside Carolina premium subscriber, you get 10% off. If you didn't go see them on Franklin street, I don't know what the weather was on Franklin street. Cause it looked like it was sunny, um, but it was a monsoon in, in the bowls lot. So probably could have stand by poncho from Johnny t-shirt and wear it in the bowls lot. Next time we're down there, we move seats in the arena or in the stadium. First time I've been uncovered in a long time. Of course, it rains on that first game. Should have gotten the Johnny T-shirt and bought some rain gear for the ball game. But it was a fun night anyway, and it's always a good time to shop Johnny T-shirt, jerseys, hats, school of uh, journalism shirts, anything you possibly need. Alumni owned and operated right there on East Franklin Street. Take care of them. They take care of us. Be right back. National guys can pay some bills. It is the day after Carolina beats the Rattlers. Hello everyone, it's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search... The rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meats. All right, Buck Sanders, Jason Staples. I am host Tommy Ashley. It's the day after Buck. Let's talk about some good stuff. Uh, Jason Staples said this quarterback guy, this number 10, would be pretty good. Um, and, and his scouting reports in the preseason said so. And we heard about this close QB com uh, competition and all. I'll tell you what, Drake may look better than I thought he would look. Uh, the kid can play. 
He's got some wheels. You know, the, the cartwheel attempted touchdown. Um, <laughs> he's got some athleticism. I, I think Carolina is certainly in good hands here at the quarterback position. And Phil Longo used him correctly as well in his first game. A, a couple of things about that. Let's get this out uh, quickly. When uh, we were talking about this in the, uh, I think it was the Over Under uh, podcast, uh, Jason said that uh, we're going to be very, very happy with Drake May in game one. Um, and I said from God's, uh, from your uh, lips to God's ears, <laughs> and, and God must have been listening. So, uh, <laughs> yes, I, and I think probably the the verdict is in on Drake May. I think um, he's going to carry North Carolina on his shoulders a time or two during his career. He's just going to be that good enough to keep Carolina in games uh, where the other, a lesser quarterback would not be able to. He was poised. He was accurate. He hit almost 80% of his passes. Um, he distributed the ball to 10 different guys. Uh, as you said, you know, he's – and I I guess I'd say he's a sneaky good runner, but I, maybe I should take the sneaky part out of it and just say he's a good runner, uh, that he runs well with the ball. He's out there on that 42 yard run, juking people in the middle of the, you know, downfield. He's an athlete, uh, just like his brother, just like his dad. He's an athlete. Yeah. He can, he could run and, and obviously he can throw the ball. He's really, really good. And North Carolina is very fortunate. I would have liked maybe to have seen, uh, Chris will in the mop up duty, uh, just because you're going to need a guy, right? At some point during the year, you're going to need a guy. So. Uh, beyond that, I thought the quarterback play was great. And I, one other thing I'll mention about uh, the play of the quarterback, uh, Drake May, I think I don't know how much Phil Longo was able to persuade Sam Howe to get rid of the football when he needed to get rid of it. Um, but apparently he's gotten through to Drake May. Uh, <laughs> Drake gets rid of the ball quickly. Uh, I think the offensive line is not going to catch quite as much flack in protection this year as they have in the past because that ball comes out quickly when, you know, Drake has it in his hand. It showed up in the stat sheet a couple of uh, different ways. There weren't as many explosive plays. Of course, North Carolina's not behind. They, you know, it, it's not a a situation where, you know, you're playing – Wake Forest and you got to match touchdown for touchdown or whatever. Uh, so you, maybe you take a little bit risk as a quarterback, hold the ball a little bit longer to make that exceptional play, uh, to keep up, but he got rid of the ball in, in a, uh, timely way. I think that that's part of the game that, I, that maybe has gotten undervalued so far in the reviews I've seen that how quickly may gets, gets rid of the ball. Um, so, yeah, first night was a wow with Drake May. As far as his receivers went, I think Gavin Blackwell may be the guy that steps up as a reliable number two wide receiver. But as far as wide receivers is Blackwell, meanwhile, John Lilly and his tight end group is killing it. Uh, you know, Morales is getting uh, balls for touchdowns. Nesbitt had four for like 50-some yards. Uh, Copenhaver, 
he's a good player and he's gotten some good coaching. I mean, uh, that, that three, and I, I don't expect he got in the game just because it was a blowout. I think they're going to use him. You know, I think they're going to use Morales. They're going to use Nesbitt. Obviously they're going to use Nesbitt. I think more as a receiver, um, not just in the end zone kind of tight end traditional stuff, but as a regular receiver. So, uh, that part of the, of the pass catching, uh, contingent was, was impressive. Those three tight ends are, are good. All of them are good. I see you coach Kelly. The the thing about, about may, and and that was what was the most impressive thing to me is like you mentioned, he distributed it all over the field. There was was no, I mean, Josh Downs ended up with nine catches. I didn't think he had nine. It didn't seem like that many, but um, when you've got the tight end group, you know, we, we talked and there was some discussion on the, one of the podcasts about how maybe they tell the tight ends they're going to get the ball all the time. Are they really going to, you know, when you're recruiting a guy? Well, it appears from game one at least, and, and it's game one against the FCS school, uh, they distribute it. But, Jason, I want your take on May, but I want to say this. Folks, if you want to uh, see some unvarnished and unbiased opinions, go over to the Alabama 24-7 board. There are three separate Drake May threads that they're talking about how good that kid is. Now, it worked out for them because they got pretty Price good quarterback. But they all uh, – and that's, you know, wealth of riches. But they all say um, how good May looked and how good a player he is. And a lot of them say, you know, wish they still had him, of course. Yeah. But anyway, Jason, your take on what you saw, I thought he looked poised. I thought he looked um, somewhat fearless, um, you know, probably caused some hearts to jump when he tried to hurdle three or four guys. Uh, but, you know, it's game one. But it was a good game one for Drake May. Yeah, you'll you'll take what you what you saw there uh, every time. And, you know, I, I, I tried very hard this offseason not to not to get into hyperbole, because when I was doing my evaluations, you know, it's one of those like, man, this guy. Like I don't want to, I like I don't want to oversell what I'm seeing, but my goodness, this guy's going to be really, really good. And you know, I I I tried to basically say, long term, and I said this long term, I think he's he's a better prospect than Sam was. And you know, the only question for me was how quickly is he going to be playing at a higher level than than Howell? And I felt like there was a good chance that we'd see him playing at a higher level than Howell this year. And I still think that 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 now there's going to be growing pains because of the lack of experience on certain things. And, you know, the receiver position still needs, you know, some consistency. But, you know, the guy the guy is what he is. I mean, he's he's a really, really special player. Uh, And I think one of the things that that Buck said is really critical here, and that is how quickly he gets rid of the football. He diagnoses things really quickly and gets it out and you know you can see him it 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 he, he doesn't look hurried and and one of the thing one of the marks of you know really the elite elite quarterbacks you know, like the truly elite guys that I look for is does this guy make playing the position look easy it might be the hardest position in team sports i think it is and 
you get a guy that makes that position look easy, and I don't care if it's against FAMU. I don't care. You know, does this guy make playing a position look easy? Does it look like he's going back there and going, okay, that guy's going to be open, and bam, get it out, and just never get get hurried or whatever. When you see pressure, does he just naturally respond and step up and get the ball out of his hands, or or you know, step into into a void and and take the take the yardage the defense has given him? Quarterbacks who make the game look easy are special. And and this is something that I I, I tried to emphasize a few years ago. I mean, I, I got some criticism. I've gotten criticism over the years at different points for being critical of really good quarterbacks that Carolina's had. I mean, you go all the way back to Marquise Williams. You know, I had at different points some critical evaluations of certain things. The guy was a good player. I always said that. But there were certain things where he made the game harder than it had to be on himself it's like dude get rid of the football going over here and you never have to deal with that pressure that all of a sudden you got and then you broke this tackle spun out you know ran around for a little bit and then made this amazing play you could have done that right there and it's a 20 yard throw and then you know you never have to do any of those things and that was true with Howell at times where you would see Sam just lock on to one guy hold on to the football and I'm sitting here going Come on, dude, get rid of the ball. <laughs> that was your read. You get rid of it there and you don't have to worry about it. And then Sam would go and do something amazing, you know, half the time. But it's that phenomenon where the guy that just makes it look easy, coaches love that guy. And, you know, Trubisky was that way to some extent. Not, I don't think to the extent that, that, that may, that may will. I think may is a better prospect than Trubisky was. Uh, so, you look at that and how many sacks how many sacks were were there on on Howell last night? On May, you know, May. Zero. On May. Yeah. Zero. On, there were zero sacks. And how many yeah. times did he actually was he in danger of being sacked? Not many. No. <laughs> and 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 you know, you see it a lot of times where quarterbacks have a go-to deal about how they avoid pressure. Maybe they tend to roll it out when they first sign a pressure. They're going to sprint to the sideline to try to avoid the, the the pressure and get it downfield, or they'll do this or do that or whatever. Uh, but May has the entire bag at his disposal. He'll climb the pocket. He'll sprint out. He'll you know drop back further. He he has a way of finding space for himself uh, in response to what the defense is doing and. It's not predictable in any fashion in that way. You know, they just can't count on him. Well, if we force him out of the, if we put pressure on him to show pressure quickly, he's, we're going to force him out of the pocket. Well, maybe you will, and maybe you won't with, with Bay, depending on what he sees his best, uh, space to be, you know, while he's back there. So he's a different guy. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm thinking Jason is very right here. He's just different in uh, his instincts and his long training. His dad, obviously, is a great quarterback and probably was his coach for many, many years. Um, and so he's a different breed of cat, I think. So uh, we'll see. It was Florida and A&M, and I'm with Jason, I don't know that that makes a lot of difference, but um, he's off to a great start, we can say that. Well, he's going to get a lot more pressure from some from some of the defenses on yes. the schedule. I mean, fam, fam, 
you know, was not getting a bunch of leakage through the through the offensive line. So he's going to have immediate pressure at times in ways that he didn't. They're not Pitt. Night. They're not Pittsburgh. Yeah, they're not Pitt. They're not Miami. You know, they're, yeah. they're, they're, he's going to have to deal with real pressure at points in ways that he didn't last night. But what encouraged me is when there was any hint of pressure, he got it out hot so fast that it just doesn't matter. And this is why, you know, there are certain guys that you that you just uh, – that you you can pressure them and it just isn't going to matter i mean they're going to get it out and it's like okay please blitz me please Mm -hmm. and to me it looks like he's one of those guys the game just moves more slowly for the for for this kind of player and uh and and you'll take that every time now i i actually did mean to ask how many times sam howell got sacked Uh, last night too you're talking about both guys played Oh yeah, the command. How many did Howell take? Five, in the Commanders game. Yeah, so the Commanders. So Howell for the Commanders. Howell for the Commanders got five, got sacked five times, which is you know that's par for the course based on last year. And how many did May get? Zero. And again, May's gonna get sacked some this year. It's gonna happen. There was one near sack last night that he kind of stepped up out of. And it's going to happen, but it's going to be fewer and there's going to be fewer losses and it makes it easy for, uh, for, you know, for offenses when you're, when you're always ahead on the leverage. So I think that's the thing that that you take away more than anything else in terms of, of may, I mean, obviously he can make all the throws. I mean, uh, uh, I think he's, he showed the deep touch. He showed the ability to, you know, throw, uh, you know, basically any throw from, from different foot positions. I still would like to see him be a little more consistent with his footwork at times. He did miss a couple that, you know, had a couple of his receivers a little frustrated that were easy throws that in the long term, he's going to make, he's going to continue to polish up and make those throws more consistently. And then it's going to be even better. But uh, I mean, I think you're just seeing the beginning with him and he's going to be one of those guys that's going to have a lot of national buzz the next couple of years. Yeah, and kudos, kudos to the coaching staff as well. I mean, as far as they've emphasized way back in the spring, we heard them talking about our emphasis this year. We're, we're going to get the ball out faster. That's that's our plan. We're going to do what we can to get that ball out of the quarterback's hands as quickly as we can this year. And mission accomplished, guys. I mean, they they uh, part of that is coaching. They're coaching. Uh, May to get rid of that ball as, as soon as he can. You find your first open option and throw the ball, you know, that kind of thing. Well, yeah, yeah he's going to be good. Um, you know, I think some of the goods probably tempered by the level of competition. Some of the ugly stuff we talked about in the first segment probably um, worse than or, or not as bad as it looked against uh, that. But anyway, and May 6'5", 220, um, and he can move and all. So he's got all the physical – skills um and he's pretty much and you could see the way he interacted on the sidelines um the attaboys the leadership making sure the next guy we're going to talk about gets that football on his first career touchdown and buck let's get in it come to you jason i i do i do by the way agree with what you with what both of you said about about criswell i i thought that they should have given him at least two more series i i this game was this game was already decided uh midway through the third quarter i mean it sort of i guess i, I guess the end of the third quarter and i felt like uh criswell probably should have gotten the whole fourth quarter but 
again, they're they're trying to to get some continuity with the with the starter and the and the and the receivers for another drive or two. I just felt like you know you you want to get Criswell another another couple series to run the full offense. But I I, I get it. I just would have liked to have seen that. That's just a that's one last reflection there because Criswell's a really good player. I I don't think anybody should uh, should think that that guy is any less of a quarterback just because May is you know a wunderkind. Yeah, I mean I agree with you there, and I and I meant to mention it more is you know I thought maybe they'd still split reps um, at least um, you know maybe half and half given the the nature of the game, but yeah, Chriswell is uh. He could play. I don't know how much he's going to play uh, if Drake May is going to be as good as he is. But let's talk about um, who I started to go to right there before Jason made the great point about Chriswell. I think it's pretty safe to say who running back one is um, or should be starting Saturday in Boone. Um, Mariana <laughs> Hampton, we talk different, and I've said it for years on this podcast, and I've been watching this kid locally. Uh, that's a different guy. And uh, he's fast, he's physical, uh, and, and he makes plays. Pretty cool to see him have some success. You know, first running back over 100 as a true freshman since Choo Choo. Yep. Crazy. Yep. What do you, you think? Know, what, what's really interesting about Hampton is that, you know, yeah, he's he's 220. He's got thighs, you know, the biggest well, tree trunks. You know, he's just – a Careful, massive Buck. human this is being. a family program. Yeah. Yeah, I'll try to keep it clean. In any event, um, you know, he's he's you look at him and you say, okay, this guy, he's he's your bruiser. He's your guy that's going to go in and get one, two, three yards when you have to have it, which is in part true. But he's also returning kickoffs for 29 yards. You know, uh he he's got some speed and he's got some moves and you know, he's got vision and he's so far, uh, been pretty good secure with the ball, which is a must kind of in this offense. Uh, yeah. He's, he's got all of the, he checks every box, uh, that you are looking for in a running back and some of them he checks twice. So, uh, yeah, I think he should be the starter, uh, in Boone and sure. They've got other backs they should use. And God bless them for coming in and, and doing what they can. But Hampton, and I, I got to be honest with you, I thought Petaway was amazing. And now he only got touched the ball four times. But that, that on that touchdown run, he left about half the defense's jocks on the field uh, after he went through that line. I mean, he just faked everybody out, and he's so certain on his cuts, uh, so crisp. Uh, that he just leaves people just standing, you know, wondering what happened. So I, I like Petaway a lot. I think uh, he'll he's a great uh, lightning to Hampton's thunder, and I want to see him get more carries. Um, but, yeah, Hampton. And, you know, the thing is, everybody's thinking in general, and we'll get to the receivers more than we've already touched on, but everybody's thinking that, Oh, North Carolina's going to go through this big offensive drop off because Howe's no longer there, and blah da blah da blah da blah da. The offense, you, if you've been worried about the offense, stop worrying. Uh, worry about the defense. That's where your anxiety should be with, for this team. 
the way it has been for since Mac Brown's been here. Absolutely. I mean, you mentioned Petaway. I think, you know, he's that guy. Caleb Hood looked better than I thought, but something that uh, that was interesting to me is Caleb fumbled out of bounds in – I can't remember when it was. I guess it was the second half. And Mac Brown mentioned that in the postgame. So, I think it was the first half when he okay, fumbled out of it was bounds. On the, it was over here yeah. on the Florida A&M sidelines. And Mac yeah. Brown mentioned that we do not fumble. Even if it goes out of bounds, you do not fumble. And especially when the the, the room is loaded with talent, um, there's some pressure on those guys to be perfect or close to perfect. And then, yeah. uh, can't really complain about Hampton at all. Uh, I mean, he's going to be good. Petaway, Elijah Green looked good late. Um, Caleb Hood, like I mentioned, DJ Jones looked okay. Um, but I just think it, the writing is on the wall in that room. Um, who should be the first guys? Jason, let, let's wrap this one up. It's um, about 40 minutes in, and, and it is Florida A&M. But I, Buck mentioned the receivers. We've already talked about the tight ends. I thought Gavin Blackwell, Buck mentioned it early. I thought he he looked really good. I think I think we're gonna see we we did Josh Downs over under fifteen hundred yards and over under ninety catches. Well, he's on track for one hundred seventeen, and I took the over on that. (laughs) Over on the catches, but I I think under on the yards because there's some guys out there that we have not discussed until now, um, at least seriously. So I think Blackwell is certainly the more most legitimate wide receiver threat. I think we've seen since. Aside from Downs, obviously, since uh, Brown and Newsom have left UNC, he looks like a legit, uh, solid number two option in this offense to me. Now he only had like what two catches, four catches, four, four catches, yeah. Uh, but you know, I, I think he could be that guy that uh, you can take a little of the pressure off of Downs, uh, and, and in fact, maybe uh, give Downs a little bit more space in the offense because they can't just solely double up on downs all the time if you've got a legitimate number two guy and, and a decent number three guy. Well, the thing, that stu- the thing that stood out to me with Blackwell was the burst once he actually, you know, was was into his routes. You know, he, he showed the ability to to uh, to run. I mean, it's just real simple. Yeah. And that and that's the thing that when I was evaluating him for, for preseason stuff, it was like, well, this is this is one of the guys that has like has legit track speed. And if you can get that to transfer, that's that's going to be a really good thing. Um, I was, I think that this this is the group that that might be the hardest to evaluate coming out of this game. Um, I'm I'm actually going to go back and take a closer look at at some things. I mean, I, I, there was one play where I watched one of the one of the one of the receivers, and I think it might have actually been Blackwell, just get completely jammed into the backfield, and that's that was why. May pulled the ball down at one point there. So you had Petaway on a, on a route out of the backfield to the left. And then I think it was Blackwell. It might've been Jones. Uh, it was hard to see number at that point. Uh, but uh, one of those guys got jammed so badly that they got jammed into the back and you had the receiver in the back in the same spot. And I think there were, there was a missed assignment in there too. And that's why may he's looking at that side. That was a proper side to start his read on. And you could see him like, Oh, I got nobody, and then immediately step up and and try to get something out of it. Uh, that's the thing that that you can't evaluate quite as well in this because you know, fam, you they had some receivers on that team. They they had some really good receivers, and and you know they gave Carolina some trouble in the secondary, which is concerning. Um, but in terms of defensive backs, I mean, they're not 
they're not a, a an ACC level team, up, not an upper tier ACC level team by any stretch in terms of the defensive backs that they're putting out there. And I'm just still not sure how how much separation we can expect from some of these guys from uh, from Jones, Blackwell, uh, Pesor. Uh, how much are we going to actually see in terms of separation from those guys against better coverage? And that, that I think is a concern coming out of this game. Uh, I mean, you look at Blackwell four four catches for 36 yards, JJ Jones, three catches for 31 should have had another one that, uh, that went, went off his hands on the first throw. Uh, you know, they, they all looked young to me and looked like they've got a ways to go still. So, you know, that's a work in progress. The, th- the good thing is that with Nesbitt and Copenhaver and Morales, they're going to have some other ways of, of helping May out. But I'm, I'm, I think Blackwell did look the best of the rest in terms of the receivers. But I, I really I want to see more from that group going into, into next week. That's the big question mark for me coming out of this game is still the receiver position. And, you know, May can help compensate for that by making those guys look a lot better. I mean, look at what Tom Brady did with you know his group of uh, receivers for years at, in, uh, in 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 New England. I mean, he won with a bunch of guys that probably aren't winning anywhere else. But you really hope that that some of those guys take another couple steps forward over the next few games and can kind of figure out how to get some of that separation. So I'm I think it's a question mark coming out of this game. Absolutely, some concerns, some good. Probably you know pump the brakes on some of the good. Uh, step back from the ledge a little bit on some of the bad, but be concerned. Carolina wins 56-24 over Florida A&M. Buck Sanders, Jason Staples, it's always fun to do the day after. We've got uh, at least 12 more, maybe 13 more of these. Mm-hmm. Get ready, boys. All right. Thanks, guys. Sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt. Rate, review, Woo! like, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Get it all good. we got a lot of podcast content coming up this week. Be sure to stick with InsideCarolina.com to get it all.